Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. What's up, humans? How y'all doing? It's another week, another day, another dollar. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Tesco and Rip Kenny. We are the Human Music Podcast. I'm Luke, Crab Jesus. And uh, we were were just starting to get into a little private conversation to realize, nah, this one's definitely for our humans. Um, And I was saying how, you know, this weekend I was feeling a little a little down that maybe I hadn't gotten enough done and enough accomplished and how, how it's kind of weighing on me. And I realized I had to stop and kind of check myself like, wait, a couple of years ago, if I had ever, ever gotten this much done in a couple of days, I would have been ecstatic. It would have been over the moon happiness. Like, wow, I'm really doing it. But now that I've had like more productive days than that, and I'm, having a slightly less productive set of days, I'm feeling like I'm fucking up. But I got to tell myself, stop it. Stop doing that. Stop hating on yourself for like not always being at the very top end of your possible range of productivity. Like everything comes in waves. And Tesco said, uh, Tesco's about to say something about that. And I said, hold up, we got to hit record. (laughs) Yeah, man, I was just just saying I empathize with you because like last week for me has just been like, just felt like a meticulous grind and like spinning my wheels, like you said. And uh, to hear that both of you are like feeling the same way is, is very, it's, it's um, reassuring, like everything you said, just because like you had no idea we were going through the same shit. So to just hear that was a good reminder for us to be like, oh yeah, you know, fucking chill don't beat yourself up it's not gonna make things easier yeah you were mentioning mentioning you were you were journaling about like your thoughts on this matter um and i was actually just uh watching a video today about like the psychology behind journaling and like you know I know it's important. Sometimes I back burner it, but after watching this video, I'm going to go like way harder on journaling. Cause it, you have these revelations about your day to day life, like for the like meta awareness level of like, right. Like I am a little bit unhappy about how much I got done today, but let's, let's step back. Why, why is the ape, in sad mode for no reason. Like, let's, let's think about this. What's the bigger picture here? What, what am I accomplishing now? And what are my goals? Am I on track for that? Like, you know, let's, let's not dive too much into the minutia and get unhappy about that. But you have those kinds of revelations when you're journaling. Um, and like, there's so much positive psychology about journaling. It's like the number one thing you can do to like, help increase your productivity and like clear your mind and stuff. Um, that makes perfect sense. If yeah. You like even, about like how much time just slips away and you don't even realize to reflect back on that and realize how much time was lost where and how much you actually got done. Yeah. You hype yourself up a lot. You do. Yeah. And like today, like I was journaling and then all of a sudden, like, like something that I had been like, kind of thinking about recently just like my handwriting just started getting bigger and bigger and then i'm writing it like three times in a row and i'm like all right fuck this shit's on the page now like just fucking do it like uh you know basically just stop thinking about uh, what you could or couldn't be doing and just do it right i have a you know I'm trying to, in the, in the quest to be as productive as possible. Like we we're talking about, right. Uh, we've talked about this before. Like sometimes you'll choose like a small win, but more so like it's, it's more important to just like dive into whatever you're working on because I find resistance builds up a lot when you're not working on anything. Right. So like 
first thing in the morning before you get started on a project. Like sometimes I'll pick up the, the guitar to practice for 15 minutes and I'm like having fun playing it. And that'll turn into like an hour and then like another half hour of me like writing and trying to record the riff that I was just playing into the computer. And then I'll feel bad about that time. Right. I'll be like, fuck, like I was kind of procrastinating, but like that was productive in a way. And then if you, instead of like feeling like you've put your day on the wrong track, just start working on something instantly, you're going to get like the positive reinforcement of starting to get stuff done. And you're going to like get a bunch done. But if, instead, if you're just like, Oh, I screwed up my plans for the day. And you kind of like go down that other path, you're going to screw yourself up way harder. Totally. Um, uh, yeah. So one more f- I like fact that. that I found super interesting on the journaling thing. Um, two groups of engineers that were just laid off from a big giant company. Um, I don't know what the exact numbers of the figures were, but basically a bunch of engineers got laid off. They divided the groups into like two exactly equal sects. And they said, like half of you guys are going to journal twice for 20 minutes at a time over the next week. The other half don't do shit. The half that journaled were three times more likely to have another job in four months. Word. How, what? Three times? I believe Doesn't that it. sounds fucking crazy. Like how much like mental clarity are you able to pack into yourself about like motivation and getting your frustrations out instead of going home and then drinking and yelling at your wife because you think everything else isn't your fault instead of you're just like, you know what? Like I can, I have good skills. I can apply them somewhere else. Like those thoughts are back there. That just takes letting them bubble out onto a page to actually like capture them. Right. Yes, man. There's been times in my life where I was, you know, going through, you know, heavier emotional stuff. And I, I found consistently that, allowing myself to vent all of that stuff instead of like having it swirl into my head, just capture it on the page in black and white, two dimensional, just stick it to the page. And like, you know, the first page of journaling is maybe just all, Oh God damn it. You know? And then you get, after a while you run out of steam on that shit, you know, like for the, for the moment you're like, all of a sudden you've uncovered those clear, the clear thoughts, you know, that, that, that's, the eye of the storm maybe you know you kind of hit that still place and you're like oh actually here's some like useful insights i can take forward into my week yeah 100 (laughs) talked about this in the spiritual episode a little teensy bit maybe but i think you always know what the right moves to do are for the most part if you look within yourself deep enough is just silencing all of the other voices talking over that and all the distractions throughout your day that are taking your attention away from that thing and I think that's why people blow up too and and you know it comes at you really strong when you've been suppressing the thing you know you should be doing all day with all this other shit and then you come home and it's like screaming in your face now and then you take that out on other people or you you want to drown that out even more through like all of the recreational stuff you said like like drugs or just watching TV or just binge eating or whatever, you know, you find ways to silence that voice, but I think it's always in you telling you what the right thing to do is. And uh, also I wanted to touch on, you were saying going on like tangents where you go through that whole process. I think it's really beneficial to go through that, like you said, and what I don't see people do enough. And this is where the journaling could tie in. I've always just sort of done it mentally because I'm super OCD about my process and analytical about what I'm doing. But when you go on those tangents and you spend three hours on it, you can then make it a challenge to spend an hour and see if you can do the same amount in that time. Because chances are, you know, three, two of those three hours was probably like setting stuff up, make sure your leveling was right, getting your tone right, sitting it in the mix. Like, Mm. remember to save that rack that you made for your tone and remember that it sat nicely, roughly around this range. And you'll start to remember certain things. Um, Obviously, 
you know, you have to hear it to know for certain when it comes to making mixed decisions, but you can start to better uh, predict how things are going to turn out once you start to actually go through what you just did and then go through that process repeatedly with no hesitation. Mm-hmm. You can stumble fuck your way for hours going through it. And that's a productive session. If you document what the hell you just did, and then you rinse that you get reps in on that, you know, you could think of it workout. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. The kind of taking what you could look at as procrastination and realize that it's also preparation and just reframe it for yourself. Like, Oh, this is something yeah. like, yeah, I do want to practice guitar. Or I do want to explore whatever thing, explore yeah. that and then find out what can I take forward from that? What did I learn in that? And swing it back around. Journaling's a great way to like figure out what you actually got out of that. Totally. Writing the things <laughs> down. Actually, so journaling was uh, the end of the journal that I entry that I was writing ended up just being like a kind of like poem in a way, just sort of like song lyrics, really. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna like do a shitty version of these lyrics into the computer and then auto tune it and then play guitar that. under it as an exercise and that though that's what ended up taking a fucking hour and a half but it, now there's like a song starter there that i that i like that you know it's like the lyrics are like interesting they tell a story because i was like journaling and i was in like deep thought when i was doing it and just like really like metaphorical mm-hmm. and all that shit but man it's, and, it's and easy. not to uh sorry i don't yeah. mean to i don't mean to uh okay. not let you finish your point but i'm just saying you can also learn for example, like, oh, it was really awkward when I tried this rhythm on the guitar riff I was playing or this vocal thing I was doing. Let me not do that a few times and let me rep in not doing an awkward syncopated rhythm and let me like really nail down a simple rhythm. Like I've probably spoken about this before. Sorry, I'm totally derailing you now. Actually, no, you're go good. for it. No, I was actually going to say one thing that you just brought up on the yeah. derailment was totally accurate. I realized one of the takeaways that I had at the end of doing, because there was like a verse, pre-chorus, chorus. And at the end of this, I had sang most of the, since I had written the lines with like the same like structure mm-hmm. and like length and stuff, I sang all of the lines like pretty much the same. And then that made me play guitar rhythm for like the chords and stuff underneath pretty much the same for all the three different sections and i was like although the chords are different and it has like different feels because the notes are different in both both the lyrical melody and the guitar i don't feel like the song really went anywhere Mm so the takeaway there was like even if it is a minor rhythm switch up you need to do something there to because lyrics and melody alone aren't going to differentiate the different parts enough. That's totally. the good part about being a producer though. Cause you could be like, well, I'm a bass producer. Cool. Now, instead of ma- trying to make this a completely vocal song that where the vocals and the chord changes take you on the journey, be like, okay, cool. Every time we'll start with some lyrics, verse, chorus, drop, hella different. circle back around to that chorus with the chords and the oh cool it's that a section that i liked from before oh that's dope and then boom here's another drop and it's different from the first one and that can be your journey so like remembering that Mm -hmm. not every song seed needs to be like some huge arc that takes you the whole way especially as producers um like, for example, this uh, track you guys have heard uh, that I just finished up with Sean C called Storm Drain that'll come out here yep. sometime soon. Hot um, thank you. Uh, that was a lyric. I My girlfriend was going through some stuff like four years ago and she was having a rough day and I had consoled her on the phone and then I got like this welling up of emotion and wrote and sang these lyrics into my computer and forgot they existed 
And then four years later, Shanti hits me up like, yo, bro, like I, I'm doing this challenge where every day there's a new prompt. And today is like collab with a vocalist. And I know you do vocalists. Do you have any, you know, acapella sitting around I could work with? And I like went into my song ideas folder and opened this one randomly. Like, what the hell is this? Oh, actually, this is dope. Yeah, I'll send this to him. And it turned into a crazy song. And it went so many different directions. I didn't think it was like when I when I got it back from him, the first draft was like a crazy bass. Like I was like, oh, this is like a bluesy track, you know, and then he like came in with this bass drop and like did a vocal chop of my vocals and then we like worked out a whole intro and then he got his roommate to do guitars on it and guitar okay. solos. And then he ended up writing a rap for it. So it's got this whole crazy journey of a song where me just by myself in that moment, I didn't know where else to take it. I had the, my idea was spent. I was like, cool. It's in the computer. I don't know where it's going to go. It doesn't really, it's not a complete idea. And that's why I didn't finish it. But all of a sudden you never know what that's going to spark later. Man, that's such a trip to come to an idea four years later when you forget about it. I can only imagine because when I forget an idea after like a week and I listen to it, I'm like, holy shit, this is crazy. Right. Um, yeah, super emotional. But uh, one thing I wanted to to bring up a good analogy, I think, for a lot of these things. And actually, before we get to that, one thing I want to say, journaling is really important and I for one should do more of it but one thing I can say is I've always been meticulous about lists I have three four notepads in my five notepads in my vicinity right now got one right here too man (laughs) hell yeah and 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 that's so important because to bring it back to that point we're talking about going on those tangents I always write down what I did and how many layers of vocals I actually needed versus how many I thought and how much distortion I actually needed for this thing versus how much I thought. And if my drums sound off, I'll go watch a tutorial on that. I mean, that's a little basic at this point, but you know what I'm saying? Like if, if something's off, like I'll take the time to learn it and then actually write it down. And I want to draw that parallel to like those American warrior ninja courses Mm -hmm. where it's like, each step of that isn't that hard individually. And if you compare the fucking salmon ladder where you're doing like pull-ups and jumping up to arrangement and you compare the jumping on balls to sound design, whatever, whatever, each of those give yourself a month. And most people I think would say they could comfortably do that. Right. If you're in, if you're in good, like physical condition or decent physical condition, right? Like, might be hard with no arms, but what I'm getting at is salmon ladder, especially. Yeah. This is a mental game. So it's, it is biting the bars. Ah, <laughs> right? You might actually be able to do that. You're really, you have probably to core strength and jaw strength going. Sick. I've seen people pull insane shit. By, uh, <laughs> but yo, anyway, so each of these, you could see like, they're not that hard individually. And if you give yourself a month or two for each thing, you could get it down at a comfortable pace without straining yourself. And then you could see two months here, three months here, four months, one month, one month, one month, two months for this, this, that, and you're two, three years deep. And now you know all the shit and it wasn't really that hard, especially if you have people guiding you along the way shameless plug in the description. It will help you out. We all teach and I've taught hundreds of students and, uh, you know, are partnered with some pretty amazing mentors and products that you can find below. If you want to, if you want to level up and cut a lot of that off of your learning curve. But that being said, all of these concepts themselves, I'm sure you guys can agree. Like nothing individually is that hard. It's, you know, it's a, it's the thousand piece puzzle that you just have to take all the little pieces and put it together. But each little piece is simple. Yeah. Each and each of these skills that, like you said, you take a month or two and you really focus on it. And then all of a sudden that becomes muscle memory. Like last year, one of my big things was like building these, you know, super pals where I have a ton of sounds and then just set a timer and bang out ideas so I can get over like my self doubt and that voice that says that's not a good enough idea and just create, 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 create. 
And then that became really easy for me. And then I had all of this music sitting around and I was like, all right, I've also got this mixing template. Let me really refine the mixing template and mix, 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 mix. Now I've got all these songs to mix. Anytime I write a new one, I can throw it right into the mixing template. And now that's gotten way easier for me. Still plenty to learn, but all of a sudden starting and finishing songs are not like, there's no more mental block about it. Mm-hmm. where I used to be like terrified of doing some of these things and like, Oh, it would really break me. I get in my own head. It would, it would break my workflow so much. But now that I've really focused on a few of these things, I'm able to focus on other stuff. Like, you know, like, Oh, like really detailing the track. Cause I know I can start it with an idea and get my patterns and sequencing and arrangement. And I know I can finish it by throwing a mix and master on it. And that in between part of like, all right, what is the cool little details? I can spend most of my time there now and I'm getting better at that. And so like pick a thing and get better at it. So you don't have to think about it so much for a while, man. That's perfect. Cause imagine running at that obstacle course with full confidence, having never done it versus having done it a gazillion times. And then you could go in on the details, AKA stick your tongue out a little or twerk for the crowd a little here, there taunt people a little, you know, <laughs> and it comes off more effortless because you can actually run at it full force and you know where everything's located. You know what you got to do. You know what the timing is for this rope. You got to jump off here. It's all the same shit, you know, like, all right, I got my melodic idea down. Let me lay a lead. American Ninja Twerk Warrior. <laughs> you know, you know, the most savage people on that have literally built replicas of that of those course pieces at their home. I wonder how much one of those would like, cost. I did this shit a million times before I got here. This shit is not easy. And then the guy that's never done it before that runs full first, full course at the first thing, he's the one that racks himself in the nuts on the first jump. It's most <laughs> producers. You gotta, you gotta get there. Even the if you're a girl, in the metaphorical producer nuts. True, metaphorical producer nuts. <laughs> um, man, there's so many things in there that I want to touch on. Um, okay, I'm gonna start with the furthest one away. Um, back to productivity a little bit. Um, what I found is, and I think that I, I want to come back to this because only because I really think it's gonna actually help people. Um, the the positive reinforcement of you continuing to get shit done does not it lies on the other side of progress right so it's not it's not because there's this like big thing that you have to do and like like you sh- you should think about like the best way to do it and then do it like no like the like the resistance goes away as soon as you start working mm-hmm. not not from like trying to like do all the little stuff, little stuff that doesn't matter. Or like, you know, like if you're feeling like a lot of resistance, like just start anything that's going to be productive do it. and you'll, you'll just, you'll, you'll build up that snowball effect. Um, I found that really helpful recently. Um, Amen. The other thing you just mentioned, Luke was, the that like making a song is like a big thousand piece puzzle um no it's tesco said that tesco. that part of the metaphor yeah and then i ran uh, with it <laughs> well this metaphor of the thousand piece puzzle i've uh <laughs> I, I love that because it's so true the metaphor like, of the thousand piece puzzle that's a clip right there you need <laughs> so much attention span to finish a thousand piece puzzle and uh or way too much time on your hands yeah or way too much time on your hands but um i found that like recently with like all the stuff going on in my life like being injured and stuff it like when i sit down to write music the attention span for that thousand piece puzzle is like really hard to get to um and it just reminded me of how like you have to place so much value on your intention span. And like, I literally do have to like turn off my phone, like unplug the Wi-Fi from my computer, like full, like full on piss people off. Cause I didn't respond to them at all because that's the only way I can like get the attention span up to the point where I can actually like make music that I'm really proud of in right now. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I highly that, recommend pissing people off by not texting them back fast. <laughs> Fuck, story of my life, bro. Best yeah, part is, everybody. they'll just start getting used to it. Yeah. Give it a month. So you talk about focusing on something for a month. Focus on not texting people back the same day for a month. They'll stop texting about shit that doesn't matter. <laughs> or shit that does matter. For that matter. <laughs> it's yeah, great. Yeah. Like, Wait. hey, you know, whenever you get to this, uh, I saw this funny meme. You don't, no need to respond fast. <laughs> All right, <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> I'll laugh tomorrow. <laughs> But it's true. You got to be ruthless with your attention. Um, Man, yeah. can completely derail you. Um, We've talked about the ruthlessness before, yeah. too, and I think that's so important. And uh, I'm going to get maybe a little morbid here, but something I, I, I try to stay really mindful of is the basically beautiful things can be destroyed very 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 easily and people don't realize like how heavily tipped that scale is in the side of destruction and chaos so to speak right so if you think of like your whole life you grow up to be however old let's say a few decades all of the resources time energy struggle that went into keeping you alive you get hit by a car that's done in seconds. Now think about that on a large scale, like war or genocide, how long it takes to raise all of those people. They're full ass human beings that are, you know, that that runs deep. That's a lot of life to have lived for that many people to be wiped out that quickly. Think about, you know, gaining weight versus trying to take it off was harder right? Like all of these things in your life where you think, oh, this one thing can't hurt this one little distraction. Oh, this, this one drink here, this one hit here, this one, whatever here of this negative thing, you have to treat that shit as if you're on a fucking tightrope at all times. I mean, shit, you don't got to, you can lax up and chill, but if you're trying to be wound up like us, so you got to fucking do it. <laughs> I think it's an important point, though, to just note a lot of your progress can be reversed 10x as easy as you got there. So you should be ruthless about protecting that. Yeah, don't let your phone or the Internet mass murder your attention and your productivity. <laughs> we are staunchly anti-mass murder on the Human Music <laughs> Podcast because we like humans stay alive uh and uh, also like maybe put your phone on silent in the other room yeah so because they're basically i'm about to derail our whole conversation but you just i don't know how you just reminded me of this the human race we love we love humans here on human music podcast we do and uh i was reading this morning about uh how mushrooms, regular mushrooms, not the special kind, uh, are potentially going to save the planet because you can inoculate a certain mushroom spore in an oil spill and it will suck up and metabolize the oil and grow into an edible mushroom that humans, animals... That's you can eat safely eat it literally metabolizes like man that that, that, level, so that level of fucking bad to good in like take and like like not just transferring the bad like like a hybrid car still has a giant battery that leaks acid into the environment like like most of the time you are you are you are minimizing the impact and transferring it somewhere else. You're not eliminating it. That level of eliminating an impact on the planet is fucking incredible. And so someone was like, mushrooms are going to save humans. And you know what's fucking scary about that is that mushrooms actually fucking came from space. Woo. Mushrooms. No shit. Mushroom spores did not occur and, and appear in our geological timeline until after the dinosaurs went extinct. 
And so the thought that crossed Are you sure? Part, yeah, well, that's uh, you might want to look that up. Sure is a strong word. I think he's referring that. to a, a scientific theory that probably has a fair bit of evidence. I, all right, I'm sorry not to not to uh, kill your train of thought here, but I'm just gonna young Jamie this Def- shit. Definitely look that shit up because I'm I'm curious as well. But I recall reading something that mushrooms came from some sort of asteroid or something and has not the fossil record of our flora and fauna does not show mushrooms up until the point where the dinosaurs went extinct. So what that tells me is that some fucking type four civilization on the other side of the fucking universe is like these motherfuckers on earth have a completely inhabitable planet and 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 all they're doing is these fucking dinosaur fucking things. This is fucked. Do over, do so, over, and we're gonna so send the giant lizards. They need, need that shit. They need uh, have fact shit. check here. Yeah, fact dinosaurs check. went extinct sixty-five million years ago, and fungi are four hundred million years old. Okay, but they're not. Um, right. That being said. Fungi are very fucking fascinating regardless. And if anything, I don't think it's that improbable that maybe they're like the ultimate intelligent life and we're under that and we just don't even fucking realize because we think communication verbally or whatever is correlated to to intelligence. But mushrooms are fucking insane, man. If you look into fungi, there's all sorts of uh, uses and, and medicines and all that stuff. Cause they're, they're kind of similar to us in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> here we have, uh, we have a lot of genetic similarities with fungus. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. 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 They breathe wrong. in oxygen, breathe out carbon dioxide. Oh, and then, all the, by the way, I've learned all this from a Joe Rogan podcast, of course. So <laughs> Paul Stamets shout out, but uh, shout to Paul Stamets. Man, apparently they can catch a lot of like uh, diseases or bacterial infections we can. And that's why we found medicine through mushrooms. And they can also communicate with each other pretty intelligently. There's also the largest living thing on Earth is actually a giant interconnected fungal network, I believe. Out in your neck of the woods, Evan, out in, out in Oregon. Is it actually? Really? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Huh. Yeah, they're actually super fascinating, bro. And I believe we're also more related to fungi than something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, I think we're closer closer to fungi than plants for sure. I'm just we're, trying to think nothing else. Yeah. Monkeys. Fung- yeah, fungi are fucking fascinating. Yeah, could you imagine? Yeah. Apparently, we're ninety-eight percent banana or whatever that yeah. that is. <laughs> so, if this is anybody's first episode, uh, they're listening to welcome, and uh, this is pretty indicative of our show. We will definitely talk about stuff we know a lot about, like music production, and then foray into really interesting stuff that we kind of maybe heard this one time on a podcast yeah. or documentary. Uh, but we're on Joe Rogan once and now we're trying to nerd out, man. (laughs) But if it's fascinating enough to us, there's a good chance that it'll be fascinating to you too. And thinking about things that are in our world that we interact with, uh, in a different way is, is always positive for thinking differently and therefore making more creative music. That's yeah. right there. Yeah, let's yeah. Say, go with that. <laughs> the creativity of like, man, this oil spill sucks, but what if we put mushrooms on it? <laughs> Mushroom dog. That's a creative thought. <laughs> it's true. And uh, apparently not, speaking of VSTs, it wasn't even an infected mushroom at the end. It was an edible mushroom. Shouts out to Widener. <laughs> ah, man. Speaking widen of, um, your making your possibilities. <laughs> yeah, widen your possibilities via mud pie mushrooms. Because mud pies are kind of like mushrooms in the sense that they could turn horrendous shit into really good shit. And if like, you're uh, on I think, mushrooms, mud pies might be the best part of music production to focus that's on. That's actually very true because you don't have to think about it. Hit record, shit. turn random knobs, you're going to get weird with it either way. Yeah, I integrate mud pies into just everyday life. Like if I'm just chilling, doing anything mindless, I can just mud pie shit relatively easily. 
Um, but that being said, I think a lot of people would be surprised how far mud pies go. Cause when I'm doing sessions with students, I really don't have to try hard to get a sick idea. I can get away with doing like one, two pieces of audio for the drop one for the downbeat and then one other sound no modulation nothing duplicated in quarter notes across or maybe you could get fucking fancy with the rhythm if you're feeling a little experimental that day and then you just mud pie that shit and that'll make it sound sick and then even more importantly then you add negative space and then you're pretty much done it's like Mm -hmm. it's really not too hard i think when you can realize how easy these little pieces of the thousand piece puzzle are and you can you can get good at putting that piece of the puzzle together that's when you become like a artist let's say i i feel like that sounds kind of like elitist dick gatekeeping like yeah you're finally an artist when you reach this point but the the idea is like you're not thinking about the technical stuff at this point because it's so ingrained you can actually express yourself because you know how to just run in a direction and you know where it's going to take you and you can parkour your way through that shit you don't got to walk around this building and walk around this forest because you don't know your way through it nah you can you can plan out that path in advance you can up your parkour skills a little you could tie a rope maybe on the forest trees you can set up tools for yourself so you could run in that direction fast right and parkour producer parkour creative love it parkour mental parkour however you want to think about it that's your work step hardcore parkour (laughs) man Uh, workflow is producer parkour it is the other analogy that you reminded me of when talking about the puzzle again uh putting the puzzle piece in once you find the puzzle piece is not hard you just set the puzzle piece where it's supposed to be. The hard part's finding the puzzle piece, yeah. right? So it takes a lot of searching. And that searching process can be shortened in one of a few ways. Uh, separate the pieces into different colors so that you know which ones could possibly work, a.k.a. if you know that you need some sick bass sounds, make those fucking shits the night before. Or get yourself into a fresh preset pack or something that you're stoked on. Mm-hmm. Um, get and, people. Yeah. That's and then so important. Also, instead of literally just using your eyes and looking the whole time for the perfect, what's the puzzle piece? Like, I think it's, it may, no, it's not that one. Grab the damn pieces and see if they fit. Sometimes you think like, oh no, this house has this color on this part of the piece. And then you realize once you put it in, you're like, oh, actually that colors, no, it actually changed colors like right on the tip of this piece. And I've been looking for the wrong color the whole time right here. Try them shits and put it in. I remember one of the, like a really eye-opening thing that I heard um, was like, there was an interview with like Oliver Heldens, right? When he was like breaking onto the scene and he actually was kind of a pioneer of that, uh, like, like chunky fifth or like a fourth. It's not even a fifth. It's like plus five semitones. And yeah, that like, classic future house like sound. Metallic, yeah, future house sound. It wasn't distorted like Jaws. It Man, was like- shout out Oliver Heldens. That's actually one of the people that actually, yeah, he got me into producing future house. And that was like when I became serious about producing. He was, that's he crazy. Was, he was about super that. lit when he was coming, coming on. Dude, to the, he, I, I, huge inspiration from yeah he's time. sick um but what he said that really struck me about his production process is that sometimes he'll have 30 silence and 30 massives up in his project now obviously he's not using all 60 of them but he's just like trying different layers and combining different layers and does this work no does this work no and i always like I really love thinking of it like that because it's like, it just, it's, it reinforces the thing that I always wish I could reinforce more in my own head. Stop thinking about what needs to go next. Try some more shit. Mm-hmm. Still, I've, t- I've said this on the show before that still to this day, the, the number one thing that will slow me down and c- interrupt my flow is getting to a point where I like what I have a lot 
and then stressing about not like what's the perfect thing to complete this puzzle mm-hmm. instead of just trying more pieces, you know? And so thinking of it like that, like, fuck it, throw 30 more random serums in there and see if this one works with this layer. Maybe you turn that layer off. You try this one with a different layer and you just yeah. trying different combinations of puzzle pieces until they sound good with just the, just the patches themselves. No processing. Man, and, I think and, yeah. a good way to think of that too is like in the DAW, it's not so obvious because everything is so instant whenever you want it. So it's like there's all options available. You have to like really, you know, filter out a lot of options to know what you want. But if you think about in the real world with, with real instruments, you would have to like plan out beforehand i'm gonna need a horn player i'm gonna need four horn players i'm gonna need some strings i'm gonna need a dude that knows this i'm gonna need someone that knows this someone that knows that and then you call them into the studio and then you figure that shit out when they're all there you don't want to be the dude that like comes into the session unprepared and you're like maybe strings let me see what this dude's doing and then he comes and pulls thing you're like nah i need whatever and then you call up another person you gotta wait it's like just call 10 people and you don't gotta waste 10 people's actual time which is awesome and you could play some around in a room with the techniques we've talked about in other episodes about creating depth in your mixes you can actually start to plan out like all right i'd have this person here this person here this person here playing these things And maybe you could duplicate a channel three times because you want a person moving around the room. So then you just allocate a space and you say, all right, they can stand front and center in this room. They can stand a little off to the left and behind, and they can go a little bit more to the right and forward or behind. I don't know, probably behind if it's panned. Let's be real. But, you know, you can start to map these things out in advance and then it's just drag and drop. And that shit opens up so much possibility and flow to your process versus when you're just calling up shit on the spot. Oh, didn't work. All right, delete. And then, you know, move on to the next thing. It's like, let those happy accidents fall in place because you might use that base patch as a lead accidentally when you come back to it a week later. And that's the happy accident you needed to take that from a b plus to a fucking a plus you know Mm -hmm. or at least an a minus and then you could figure out what the hell you need else (laughs) but yeah yeah i uh you brought up another a good point um which is like you gotta you gotta think out what you need beforehand right and so that also kind of it's it's also kind of speaking to the composition of like what registers your instruments are playing you're not just gonna get fucking eight French horns, eight trombones, four double basses and, and three cellos and say, yep, that's my, that's my band for today. You're going to have a big muddy mess, my friend. That's Mm -hmm. not going to work. Um, you got to have things that play notes in, in all the different registers. Um, like I was watching a track breakdown of, uh, goat by Polyphia. I know, you know, that one Tesco. Shout out Polyphia. Uh, the boy Luke does not know that one. It sounds like we're going to have story time here. Uh, I think we showed Luke before, maybe. I don't know. I'm going to pull. I'm going to pull up a YouTube clip here. Hold on. I got. A, I got a song that never released called "The Goat." It was a sweet beat where I sample goats. <laughs> That's sick. I saw Ramzoid did a video where he made a beat for Billie Eilish using Billy goats. I like it. Did we decide how many seconds of these we can play without getting fucked or we're just going to send it? I mean, shit, bro. It's okay. We're not making any money anyways. They can demonetize us all they want. God damn that. We should just play into that broke producer, producer brand. (laughs) Can't sue us. We don't even got any money. (laughs) Exactly. Down just teensy bit.
this shit is amazing, bro. Holy Sick. shit. <laughs> It was crazy, man. Yeah, they're they're next level, man. Absolutely. Really forward thinking. Yo, not, the instrumentation is insane, man. Oh, like the the way they, they're hitting those little quick runs, and then the and then the harmonics in there, and man, the it's like one of those tracks. Like usually, like that's kind of the direction a lot of new EDM producers go where they're trying to, Oh, the drums are going to do this crazy thing. And then this instrument is doing that crazy thing. And the bass is doing this crazy thing and it doesn't work, but that all worked so well together. Like the drummer was half solo in half the song and the bass player and the guitar players are doing these crazy runs and it never, ever stepped on anything. That was Dude. incredibly done. Impeccable. Exactly. And I love, I love that you said that because for the listeners, if you re-listen to that song, it all follows the same 16 chord structure or, or 16 bar chord progression, right? Throughout the whole song. And because that foundation is set and the simple ideas are in place first, they're able to do all these crazy runs because they know what rhythms they need to land on most certainly and what rhythms they can play around and what sort of melodies they can do based on what chords are playing underneath. And, you know, whether you want to inflect on an idea by doing a run down the third time you do it versus the run up you've been doing, or you want to spice it up and do crazy licks like they're doing, it all works when you when you make sure that foundation is set first so, so the, the foundation is there but one of the fucking ridiculous things is the amount of planning that went into oh, yeah. the bass and two guitar players literally always playing in their own register like like the reason i brought this video up this this song up is because if you re-listen to this shit as one person's going up the other person like goes down and like they the bass player and the two guitars they're always going up and down but they always have their own register that they're playing in mm-hmm. and they do like these weird extended chord shapes on the guitar that like no one like they play like these weird voicings that like distort your fingers in weird ways you know, like couldn't figure out how to play it yourself if you wanted to without the dude himself showing you all the weird little chord voicings um and one thing too uh they have videos up where you can see their process if you type in tim henson's studio yeah and and you can see that um you know uh 
like some of the riffs they'll plan it out on a keyboard in advance i've heard of a lot of guitar players doing this actually but they'll they'll write it out in ableton actually in the piano roll with like some totally like edm patch let's say Mm -hmm. and then they'll transpose it later on guitar because it's you wouldn't ever think to do those fucked up chord shapes yeah i actually heard focused on notes first i actually heard that part of their process I think I just read a comment on YouTube or whatever, but part of their process is they will literally sit down and write in MIDI something that should be impossible to play on guitar and then use the three pieces of their, uh, the guitars and the bass to basically figure out how to play that impossible thing, which is so fucking cool. Like set yourself a limitation get creative with that limitation and then figure out how to fucking make it work. Like you all, does that song sound like anything else you've ever heard? No, I mean, it has like as a whole, no, but it has the cool part is it has the good bits and pieces of what make it, you know, like recognizable and jammable. Like he's got, they've got a halftime drum beat going. That's all over the place. But the way they articulate it is really unique. And the way that they, leave it and come back to it like there was even a, like a little reggaeton jam in there where he was doing on the cymbals yeah, like I, a little t- a little reggaeton <laughs> drum rhythm for like four bars yeah bro uh and and i, I loved how it started with what's clearly like a weird synthy bell patch and then immediately came in and elaborated on that idea that melody with the guitar and it sets you up like, oh, now I'm hearing the same general idea, but in a new way. And that's like the essence of doing a loop menu that we learn in the dojo. And my favorite way to make music. All right. That's a cool melody. That's a cool progression. How can I flip that a number of times so that texturally and sonically it stays interesting? Totally. But it we don't have to write you know, a thousand chords in this three minute song. It's like, yeah, this 16 bar loop, this eight bar loop, whatever. We're going to repeat it and do it differently every time. Man. Um, I really, I, I agree with everything you said. And I really just want to urge people to think of the simplicity aspect of when you're creating these complex parts and arrangements and whatnot, because, um, you know, like we've said, Polyphia, for example, they'll plan out some of their guitar parts either in MIDI and learn it or they'll lay down chords and then play these crazy runs. But that's just arpeggios within that chord or emphasizing certain tones that sound good with that chord that they already knew. But, you know, it looks like a lot of notes, but you realize like, oh, we're playing this three or four note chords. So I'm playing this arpeggio that's three or four notes and it just repeats in octaves. It's not rocket science right and then um you notice too when they're planning stuff out in midi they don't start with the whole riff and do these crazy things here here and there and all these trills and 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 embellishments and all these things they start with a very basic two notes accord and then you add maybe like one more layer on top of that an octave up like Evan said, staying in its own register. And then on top of that, they go out one more octave or two, and then they play the fancy lead with all the, all the crazy shit and embellishments. But when you have that simple idea dictating the strong beats in your rhythm and you can play around that, then you have a lot more room because you know, like, all right, I can do anything in this space as long as I land strong on this one. Or I could play through this strong beat as long as I land on the next one. And then that gives you ways to visualize where to do certain automations, to to move things in and out of your mix, and how to emphasize certain elements better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. For real. It's it it echoes something I've been espousing to and, and and preaching a lot lately which is like start with the simple idea and iterate complexity on top of it mm. don't try to write something really complex and then try and figure out what to do with the mess you made <laughs> well said We've exactly all. what i was trying to say we've all been there 
Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, uh, so you start, you start making music, you, you're using three, four, nor- four or three note chords. And then, so you get better, you start adding more notes in there. And sometimes you get like six notes and then yeah. all of a sudden you're doing seven and eight notes and the chords, yeah. the whole piano roll. And you're like, this is it. <laughs> Just and every note now, like, fucking every note in there uh and now i've returned to like let me just let me just two note chords let's yeah. see what I can get, let's see what i can get with that because like most of the time if you want to leave room for other stuff you don't want the whole piano roll filled top to bottom and you can embellish three different instruments playing two notes or two notes on one of them and one note on the other two instruments and create your four note chord and have it sound way fucking cooler because it's not all stacked and muddy from other stuff that's overlapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say for people that are struggling with this, try and gain an appreciation for minimal music. If you don't already and try and approach music from that style. Cause I had huge breakthroughs when I pulled in the opposite direction and I felt confident enough in my abilities slash bored of trying to flex all the time and just stop giving a fuck and start trying to do the least amount of work possible and make my life as easy as possible. And that gave me all sorts of breakthroughs. And when I revisit old tracks, I realized how much I was trying to cram shit in just because I thought... I had to, or I thought I, the mix had to be full at all times, or I just had some sort of limiting belief. And, you know, maybe I didn't need these two sounds playing in this section, but this one that sounds really out of place could be a sick B section or C section, whatever. Um, and, and approaching it from that way and just remembering that if you know me, you know, I always preach any sound concept is good in the micro and the macro and, and keeping shit simple and realizing that not only does not every section not have to be everything at once, not every song has to be everything at once before I would spend you know, days trying to do 20 cool things a song. And now I'm like, that's like 20 songs. Yeah. <laughs> One cool thing a song. Yeah. And just make it really fucking clear and articulate deeper on that idea. You know, don't pick one thing and make it boring. Like pick one thing and like truly explore that. Tell them. Yeah. Explore it. Explore that one idea. I like it. Don't just play it once and go away. It's the Bruce Lee 10,000 kicks quote. Uh, I fear a man. That's no, I, I don't fear the man that's done 10,000 kicks once. I fear the man that's done one kick 10,000 times. Thank you. Exactly. Same shit. It's, I think too, and you see this a lot with artists that blow up, the ones that like really find their sound will often get accused of like writing the same album too much. And it's kind of, you reach a point where like fans either are really happy um, that you stuck to your sound at first, actually they're happy. And then later on, they're like, you keep writing the same shit or you change your sound. And they're like, it's not like the old shit. Right. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that is just those people had that success and that sound and people gravitated to it the way they did. And they missed it when it was gone, even though, you know, it's kind of contradictory at that point. But the thing is that those people knew how to use the vocabulary they did have to express a multitude of ideas and think of producing like language. You don't need to know exquisite and fantastic ablacious and all these crazy words. Oh, that's my favorite. And, and to sound exquisite and articulate and da 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 and fantastic and fantastic. But if you know how to say good and really good, and maybe you use some metaphor, and maybe you 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 know you you find different ways to use the word good, right? different different phrasings in the tone of your voice and stuff can really get a lot across with a simple idea and when you pull that parallel into producing concepts i think a lot of people don't 
dive deep enough into how many ways to articulate the word good, 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 good. All those think of the, the producer equivalent of everything I did with my voice. That's how you need to go in on reverb. That's how you need to go in on delay. That's how you need to go in on, you know, all those effects if you don't feel comfortable with them. Because if you if you don't know a delay well enough you're never gonna think to pull it into the stereo with blasphemy who the fuck talks about that right so same with reverb it's it i know at first for me everything was just kind of medium setting at first i was like all right there's ginormous and then there's tiny and there's everything in between is just medium right and then until you like figure out how to articulate a reverb and and how that step back in depth feels you don't really know what's possible and you don't know what you're listening for and it just it clouds up your process it's like going through the american warrior course but it's fucking rainy and foggy you're gonna eat shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> don't do american ninja warrior when it's rainy and foggy you're gonna yeah or the producer equivalent Unless yeah. you've practiced the same course 10,000 times and Bruce Lee's In the rain and you. fog. You've practiced it in the rain and fog before. I fear not the warrior that has twerked once in 10,000 <laughs> positions, but twerked 10,000 times <laughs> on, on the one same course. salmon letter <laughs> with his teeth. But for real, replace twerking with audio effect and replace salmon ladder with part of producing or... You know, like Instagram's going to change if we replace twerking with audio effects. I don't think we're going to get the same amount of likes, man. (laughs) That's true. Shit. I mean, we would have got way more listeners out the gate if we had been the human twerking podcast. Yo, drop a comment below if we should start the human twerking podcast. (laughs) And on that note, it's been real humans. Yeah, let me. I don't know if we can get better than that. (laughs) <laughs> okay no yeah i'll, I'll let you i'll let you put a bow on it evan <laughs> get a last little booty shake yeah i'll, I'll leave that to you bud shake your money maker all right i'm glad those goes on twerking oh damn that's all right fuck it i'll do it um, so you started this conversation talking about how you felt like you weren't as productive but if you think macro like you, you weren't as productive today. You've had more productive periods in the past. Think macro, you know, you're still doing good. Um, I, my, my journal entry that I started writing gigantic in big letters was reflecting on a period of time when I was working, I was teaching production lessons. I was teaching electrical construction at, at UW and my schedule was ridiculous. Like I was, I was waking up at six and going to bed at midnight every day. And like, like I had shit to do like the whole day that was scheduled out and not stuff that I wanted to do myself, that it was just like fucking scheduled out. And I was, it was reflecting back on the fact that I was able to get through that time, like a three month period of doing all of that shit at the same time and still succeed through all of that. And now that I have my own, time keeping schedule like why am i not working that hard but uh let's see let's see how much music did i get done in that time period hmm. grand total of about zero songs um you gotta you gotta you gotta think big picture you gotta be productive but you can't beat yourself up you gotta strive to constantly improve but when you're not operating in the hundredth percentile of your ability, you can't beat yourself up about it. You have to realize your potential and the limits that you have done before to motivate you to do better. But if all you do is bitch at yourself because you're not doing the maximum amount, you're, you're going to make yourself unhappy. And besides, when you're doing the maximum amount, how much space is left for coming up with interesting creative ideas rather than just hammering out the rote stuff that everyone else has ever done before so just some some food for thought bars man i mean struggle and and resistance and 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 pressure is kind of like you know a big part of life life answered 
human and, intellectual podcast. Yeah, man. And to thanks for bringing it back around to the journaling thing. Cause like that, that actually reminded me of how that, that journal entry last night ended. It was with, you know, kind of talking about like, man, like bringing the metaphor of like, you know, you're kind of, I just keep climbing, you know, you keep climbing and you know, there's going to be peaks and valleys when you're going up a mountain range and you know, like the valleys look different from the peaks. So remember like, it's all perspective. Like, Oh yeah. You know, I'm up here doing great. Back then was whatever. When you're in the Valley, it feels like, you know, you've got no perspective and it feels like you're, you're boxed in and it feels like you're at a low point, but it's like, man, it's just another step on the journey. Like I chose to walk on this path and this path goes up and down. So don't, don't get so consumed by that. Like just keep putting one foot in front of the other and rest when you need to. Amen. Amen. I like it. Woo! Peace among worlds, y'all. I like it. What's up, humans? Thank you so much for listening to the Human Music Podcast. We truly appreciate you. In fact, we made you a gift. Click on the link in the episode description to get our new sample pack for free. It has some of our favorite basses, FX, percussions, and Foley sounds to instantly level up your productions. As always, remember to rate and subscribe, and we'll get back at you with a new episode every Tuesday. Peace, and peace among worlds.